Reformation Sunday comes from John chapter 8. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of our own. He responded, I would plant a tree. More on that in a minute. We as a community have been surrounded for the past weeks by beautiful images of trees. Our talented artists in this place, in both image and fabric, have brought to us these trees of life, fed by the waters of baptism and nurturing birds and creatures. We have sung every Sunday about the root of wisdom and the branch of peace, fruit of healing and release. And above it all, either behind or in front, depending on where you stand, is the sanctuary tree back there outside, as it does every year, showing us the pattern of the seasons as the leaves turn colors and disappear and then invite us into the waiting time, waiting for spring to come again. Today in the sanctuary, we've added one more tree, this one back here, leafless at the moment, a real one borrowed from Ron and Velda Shy. Now, if you know Ron and Velda, you know that they can make things grow like nobody else. <laughs> and so they said that three years ago about, a friend gave them this katsura tree as about a six-inch seedling. And they have nurtured it and pampered it until it's grown into this tree that you see. I am marveled when, I marvel when the living plants in and around my house just barely survive. So making something grow like that is amazing to me. When it came to describing the work and the presence and the kingdom of God in the world, Jesus often turned to images of trees and seeds and plants. He said that the kingdom of God was like a mustard seed, which once planted turns into something much larger than you think it might be, which provides shade for birds, but which is also persistent for a mustard seed is actually a weed, and it keeps going no matter how much you try to rip it up. He said that he himself was like a seed, a grain of wheat, falling into the earth, which brings new life only because it dies. And he talked about God as a sower, a very hopeful sower, willing to throw seeds even onto very unlikely places, places full of rocks and weeds and roads. A sower willing to fail three times out of four, because when you do succeed, the seeds that grow are so valuable that they change everything. Trees are so often a symbol of hope and justice and God and wisdom in the Bible that a community, a synagogue in Pittsburgh, named itself that, the Tree of Life. And yesterday, as I am sure you know, 11 people died there while worshiping and learning and welcoming a child into their community, all of which we are here to do today. So as we are surrounded by these trees of life, it is important for us to pause, 
to say that we pray today in grief and agony with those families and that community and Jewish communities everywhere. We stand with them in their very public welcome of refugees. And we reaffirm that anti-Semitism, which sadly has had a lot of Lutheran participation over the years, that anti-Semitism is a toxic misuse of God's word and will for all people. The largest living organism in the world is in central Utah. It spreads across 106 acres. It's probably thousands of years old, though nobody knows for sure. Its name is Pando, which is Latin for I spread. That's because it looks like a forest of aspen trees when you look at it. But underneath the ground, you learn the truth, which is that it's not a forest of aspen trees. It's one tree. And over thousands of years, the roots have grown and then shoots spring up from the roots, but underneath it is all connected. It is all one thing. It looks to our eyes like a forest, but it's just one tree. This one particular tree weighs about 13 million pounds. The truth about this tree is in its roots underneath. On the surface, it looks like a bunch of separate disconnected trees. It's in the dirt, in the darkness in the earth, underneath it all, that you discover the tree, the truth. The truth. Is that truth, truth about trees? I don't know. You discover the truth. It's all one body. Roots tell us a lot. They can remind us that we too, when we gather here on Sundays, we look like a bunch of different trees. And we are in some ways, disconnected from each other. On the surface, we look different. We are different. There are many things that differentiate us. We are different genders and ethnicities and ages and phases of life. And some of the differences that separate us are not so obvious. But when we gather, we confess that there is something underneath it all, in the darkness and the dirt and the earth, something that is binding us together, that is making us one body. Sometimes our body's a little clunky, to be sure, but still, we are connected in this life because we share those common roots. The roots we nurture with the waters of baptism, with the practices of worship and prayer, with the habits of generosity and making justice. At his best, Martin Luther wanted to nurture those good roots, to get rid of people's fear of a God they thought was out to get them, and invite them instead into a life with a God of generosity and justice. Those are the roots, he said, that bring us life. But roots have another side, too. This summer, we did a home project that involved taking out a maple tree in our front yard. It was about 25 years old, about the same age as the house. For the past few years, we've tried to plant things near and around that maple tree, different flowers and shrubs and bushes, everything from seeds to existing plants. No matter what we did, nothing worked. Everything either died or remained stunted and unhealthy and small. We tried fertilizers and bark and extra watering, and none of it made any difference. 
What we realized, of course, you've probably already guessed, is that once that maple tree came out, we could see that the roots of it had spread so far through all the bed and way into the lawn, so far that nothing else had space or water or nutrients or even the slightest chance to survive. That tree took everything. It took everything that anyone needed for life. It was even causing damage, popping up the driveway and cracking the sidewalk. Roots are surprisingly powerful. Now, you can't blame the tree for that. It was just looking to survive. But in this case, maybe those roots can tell us another truth, which is that sometimes the things underneath, the traditions we are accustomed to, the ways of life that we think we are entitled to, even those things can become unhealthy. They can take over. They can choke out everything else. They can lead us to believe everything out there is for us, for our use and our consumption. And pretty soon we look around and we think, what happened to all that stuff we planted? How come nothing else survives here? Those are kind of the questions that Martin Luther asked in his day. And his answers to those changed much of the Western world. He was determined to get rid of those old roots, the ones that kept people in fear, the ones that tied the church to political power and made it corrupt and abusive. He and many, many, many others, whose names we don't know, ripped out those roots, and the tree did not like it at first. But all of a sudden there was room for new things to pop up. Maybe that's part of what Luther meant when he said that he knew if he knew the world was ending tomorrow, he would still plant a tree. He was about nourishing those roots, the ones that matter. Reminding us that it's the life we live right now on this earth and the seeds we plant right here that are the places we encounter God and the kingdom of God. That nourishing those roots in all the practices we join in together as a community, that that makes space for new things to happen. So those are the questions I invite you to live into this week as we celebrate the Reformation. First of all, what are the roots that nourish you? What are the things that keep you connected, the practices or the people or the habits that have formed you and encouraged you, that water you? And how can you continue to nourish those roots? How can you continue to grow in hope and justice-making and generosity and relationship? And at the same time, where are there some roots in your life that it's time to rip up? Where are there old habits or anxieties, sources of shame or fear, persistent greed and insecurity? Where are you reaching so far to protect yourself and your way of life that everything else is being choked out? Where is it time to put down the things that we try to hide underground hoping no one will notice? until we look around and realize everything else is withering. And we ask too, where are the roots that we need to rip out together? The ones that are so big, that have gotten so overpowering, that are dug so deep into the lawn that not one of us can get them out ourselves. 
the roots of racism and sexism, anti-Semitism, prejudice against folks who are poor or without homes. You can't pull that root out by yourself. We need each other to do that. And it's hard and it takes perseverance and it's sweaty. But take, letting those roots take over chokes out life. All of that, that rootedness, is the work of the Reformation. But that didn't start with Martin Luther and it sure didn't end with him. That's our call, our job, our work, to nourish the good roots, to rip out the bad ones, and always to trust the creator the good and gracious creator who planted the tree of life and who gathers us all of every tradition, every language, every color, every gender, who gathers us under its branches to love us and to send us to love one another. Amen. We'll sing together the hymn of the day, which you'll find on page 9. I invite you to stand. <clears throat>